This is the Washington Indivisible Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. While efforts to ban books in other states have gotten nationwide attention, many of us may not be aware of similar attempts right here in Washington to censor books in our schools and public libraries. Secretary of State Steve Hobbs oversees Washington's public libraries, and he is here to talk about what is being done to counter this threat and also to bring us up to date on what is being done to protect our elections going into 2024. Secretary Hobbs, welcome. How are you, sir? Doing well, thank you very much. Well, we're glad to have you. You know, and as I say, uh, we've heard a ton about book bans across the country, particularly in you know red states like Florida and Ron DeSantis. So, talk about the threat right here in Washington. It's a pretty substantial threat. Uh, it's in Columbia County right now. Uh, we have had other um, instances of book ban pushes in in other parts of the state. I think two others, but this one is rather significant because. Uh, those that wanted to do the book ban did not get their way. And so what they did was using the laws, the current laws of the state of Washington, they did a signature campaign to put on the ballot the, dissolu- the dissolution, the, 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 the elimination of the library in Columbia County. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very unfortunate. So it's like, well, we didn't get our way, so we're just going to ban all the books. I mean, basically, that's uh, where we're at. And, you know, that community... It's really sad because there are people who go to that library who use it, you know, not just to read, but to access the Internet. And um, I, I, it just it's like they don't care no. really about the community. But it's my understanding that uh, a mayor in a, in a city outside of Spokane um, also had to veto some ordinance by the city council to take control of a public library because community members objected to, uh, I think it was availability of LGBTQ themes in books. Uh, two students and a teacher stood up to the threat of book bans uh, in Walla Walla. I, I know that you went out to meet with them. As Secretary of State, what are some of the things that you can do to push back here? So this is um, kind of a new new frontier uh, for my office because we've never had to deal with book bans um, in in recent history that that I know of. And I don't think the previous administration dealt with them as well. As well. So now what we have to do is look at the law, right? Look at the law, what it says in terms of can you actually ban or get rid of a library? And, and maybe we need to tweak that because currently in, in the law states, all you need is 10%. That's it. 10%, sorry, the phone is going wow. on, but uh, 10% of the um, population or the, elect- uh, the electorate can do signatures and then put it on the ballot to be removed. So in case of Columbia County, you're only talking about a little over 100 people can remove it. And then what well, that's to be put on the ballot. And then obviously it's a plurality vote that would uh, would, would actually advance the, the measure then? That, that is correct. Okay. Uh, the threshold for for removing somebody from office is much higher. It's around, right. I think, 35% signature. So uh, what we want to do is look at that law and probably needs to be adjusted. Also, the law states that the state of Washington will take, uh, take all those books. Well, I, I don't know where I'm going to put them. And how are you going to ship them? And uh, if if anything, I mean, I, I think the community, if they're going to remove their library, they should probably pay for uh, the shipping of these books. If, if that's what I have to do as as um, the office. Now, the other thing that we can do is we are out there kind of beating the drum and letting folks know that book banning is, you know, that 
it's not, you shouldn't do it, right? Uh, you <laughs> yeah. shouldn't do it at all. Yeah. And so what we're doing is uh, going around and, you know, talking to those folks that are pushing back in book bans, like like you had just mentioned, the the students and the teacher that stood up against the book banning and going out there and talking to them, encouraging them to uh, keep up the fight. Um, and the librarians are under intense pressure. Uh, the librarian out there in, in Columbia County resigned. Because they they didn't they were attacked for no reason other than trying to run a library. Yeah, these are uh, confounding and, and often frightening times. And you know, you're you're talking to a wide, uh, a broad audience right now of, of of activists. What would you like to see all of us doing really to push back against these bans? Well, just be aware that it's happening, right? I mean, it is 2023, and we're dealing with book bans in the United States of America, in Washington state. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I would ask all your your um, your viewers and your listeners out there to just pay attention in their community. Now, uh, chances are that your listeners are probably already doing that right now, but you've got to take it a step further, not just knowing what is going on, but if you hear of a notice, hey, we're going to talk about this at the city council meeting or the county council meeting or a library board meeting, you got to go. Because what's happening is one side that goes there and floods it. Um, and and these library board directors or city council members are just being pummeled. Uh, so whatever you can do to um, balance the scales, if you will, yeah. Uh, certainly reach out to those board directors, reach out to the librarian. I mean, think about it. If you're a librarian, you never thought you were going to get hit with this. And all of a sudden you're getting a bunch of hate. I think it would be much appreciated if you send them an email, phone call, wh whatever, saying, hey, keep up the good work. We appreciate you. Um, we've got your back. That would go a long ways, I think, in, in helping the situation uh, that's uh, that should not be happening in 2023 in the United States of America in Washington State. Yeah, I really agree. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Reach out to these people who are on the front lines. Let them know that we have their back. Uh, awareness generally, as you say, attend these meetings. Um, we certainly, uh, on the indivisible side of things, have uh, some organized efforts against groups like Moms for Liberty. And I, I know that one of the most important ways, really, that we can fight back, uh, uh, particularly on the school front, is to keep people who want to censor books off of our school boards. I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about how you see the importance of this year's school board elections. Uh, they're very important. Um you can, in fact, all you got to do is look at the party right now, the Republican Party. And I, I think the new chair even announced that they're going to be paying close attention and they're going to be very active in school boards. And so I think that, you know, there has to be um, an equal amount of interest in school board elections uh, on the other side of the political spectrum. Uh, I think you have to have that discussion. You have to have that comparison and contrast. Uh, there shouldn't be, you know, whether it be Democrat or Republican, it shouldn't be just one-sided. Uh, it really shouldn't. Uh, and unfortunately, now the school boards are becoming these political battlegrounds for culture wars. Um, these proxy wars that extremists are trying to do to uh, limit discussion on, on issues that are important to society, such as uh, LGBTQ issues. Uh, and, and race issues. And, and they're trying to 
frame it in their in their views and their perspective and and what we need to do. I think just generally the public needs to do is pay attention to school board elections, right? I, I know, look, I get it. It's exciting. And it's more sexy to, uh, you know, know about the governor's race and U.S. Congress and U.S. Senate and all that. But these races down ballot are very important and have a direct impact on your lives. And so I would encourage all of you to just pay attention to what's going on and listen to these candidates. Uh, you go to uh, one of these candidate forums in your local hometown, and usually they're sparsely uh, attended. Um, and now, now we got to pay attention because who knows what kind of agenda um, some person is trying to espouse from what group that they ever came from. Yeah. Yeah, it really is the front lines right now. And I think more and more people, fortunately, are paying attention and really shining some sunlight, much needed sunlight uh, on on these races. Yeah, I want to shift and talk about elections generally with you. So, you know, when when we spoke last year, um, we talked about numerous threats to our election uh, elections. And then since then, we've had MAGA candidates for secretary of state positions, mostly defeated in last year's uh, midterm election. The Electoral Count uh, Act passed through Congress, a Supreme Court. Uh, denied state legislatures the ability to set election rules largely. So I'll just ask you, I mean, th- these are some some good developments, I think. How do you see the health of our electoral process right now? Uh, I I think it's very healthy. Um, we Nothing has changed in form, of, in form of our elections here in the state. It's still a mail-in uh, ballot state. You have 18 days from the comfort of your own home to choose your candidate. It's paper ballot, so everything's tracked. Um, What we need to do, and I think it's something that I talked about last year on, is we got to keep up with the information that the public should know about, which is the life cycle of your ballot, because we can no longer take elections for granted anymore, right? I mean, we've been very good at telling you all, and, and not just me, but also your local elections director telling you to in, to make sure that you put your ballot in the mail, put your ballot in the drop box. What we have not done a good job is telling you how secure our elections are. Did you know that you can go to your county auditor and see the election process go on? That is something that um, people you might know about, but believe it or not, a lot of people don't know about that. Uh, knowing that your the tabulation machines are not connected to the internet, uh, that you're part of ERIC, which is the Electronic Registration Information Center, which all these other states can communicate each each other to combat fraud. So this whole idea about dead people voting and people voting multiple times and they're never caught is simply not true. But a lot of people didn't know that. And now we have to talk about these things. I, I have a question about Eric uh, uh, shortly that uh, I'll put a pin in for now. But I'll just mention for folks, you know, you started a program that provides county election officials with up to $80,000 per uh, district to improve local election security. I'll just ask you, what does this money go toward? So it, it goes to both physical security of the election center and also uh, security in terms of cybersecurity of if a county needs it, a lot of these counties are very tiny, very small. Uh, for example, some of these rural counties where, by the way, getting most of the attacks, these hardworking county auditors, uh, most of them are Republican, who believe the elections are good in the state of Washington, and they're not, and they were not rigged, and, and doesn't have this. Uh, it, it, it's not um, 
espousing to this election fraud that the Mike Pillow guy is doing. <laughs> but what they've got to do is they've got to show their their constituency that these elections are, are transparent. So, for example, doing some remodel of their office so that the tabulation machine can be seen. It's it's you know, you putting up the windows uh, and, and having it surrounded, putting some secure fencing around some of the ballot tabulation centers. Uh, having observation spots. Uh, one uh, county auditor is trying to use the money so they can have a more secure drop box, a drop box that's, uh, you know, can't be moved very easily. And so these different, these counties are doing different things, but that's because each county is different in how they uh, are set up to do elections. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I want to ask you about a few election related bills that passed in the state legislature this year, because I know that your office requested two bills uh, aimed at making it easier for folks to vote, including one that streamlines voter registration at the Washington Department of Licensing. What should people know about that? So what we're trying to do is make it so that you are essentially if you're an ele- eligible voter to be automatically registered. Right. So, and we've gone a long ways. We're far more advanced than many other states in the union. And what we want to do is make it easier what we can. And so, for example, uh, those of you that have an enhanced driver's license, that is the driver's license that allows you to get on flights, allows you to cross the border into Canada, uh, already proven your eligibility to be a U.S. citizen, you should just be automatically a voter, right? Because that makes sense. And then once that happens, you'll receive notice about whether or not you want to opt out. So you're already in because there will be a few, very few people that for religious reasons, mostly that uh, don't want to be a registered voter. So we're trying to make it easier for them. I think that's great. Yeah, an opt-out system often uh, brings so many more people into into the fold that way. You know, I'd also, I'd love your thoughts on the passage of a bill removing uh, the advisory votes from our ballots. These were the uh, Tim Iman-sponsored uh, scores often of non-binding items at the front of our ballots just really clog things up. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, so glad. <laughs> so glad it, it got through. I It doesn't do anything. Uh, it costs money. Uh, it is, in a way, misinformation. Uh, wh- when you read it, you know, it says without a vote of the people. Well, well, yeah, that's because the legislature votes on, on these on these th- these issues, which you should already know about, by the way. Um, but the the other thing it, it does is, is what you just say. It, it does clog it up. It makes things more expensive. Uh, the cost of the voter guide is not getting less expensive it's getting more expensive and what's the part of an election part of an election is to set policy to vote for your elected official this did nothing absolutely nothing and as somebody who was a state senator just a little while ago and look i i and i represent a swing district i'm a moderate democrat and I voted no on on several of these uh, revenue items. And to have people angry at me saying, hey, you voted for this when I didn't, it's like, well, then what's, what's the point of this? Because people are not paying attention to these advisory votes. They're not reading about them. Yeah. Um, if you don't like somebody or you don't like how which way the state is going, vote your elected official out of office. That's, yeah. the, that's the best way of doing it. 
I want to ask about something a little more serious. There's another bill that prohibits the use of deep fakes in campaigns. So this is audio or video that has been created or manipulated to misrepresent somebody in some way. Um, and this seems like a problem that is only going to get worse. Now, your background is in cybersecurity. You bring a unique perspective to this. Talk about the threat of this and, and what can be done here. Right. Uh and a little bit of my background is also dealing with basically national security issues. I did work for the NSA for a time being and trained in information operations with the with the army. And so I knew that this this threat was emerging and was getting worse for elections and and for our national security in general. Um, I was actually I tried to push it when I was a state senator. I tried to push it as a secretary of state. Finally like third or fourth try, we, fi we finally got it through. Uh, one thing that people are not aware of, uh, you know, we're all talking about AI now, right? And we're all talking about some some of these deep fakes. And one, one of the things that was used, um, the deep fakes was in the Ukraine. Uh, during the invasion, Russia put out a deep fake of President Zelensky telling his armed forces to lay down their weapons. Now, luckily, uh, they, it was found out and, and crushed immediately. But I think you know and your listeners know uh, all too well that technology is getting better. I mean, what are we talking about now a lot? AI. Why, why is there a huge strike in Hollywood? Because it's AI, right? And and the in the advanced um, and the advancement of technologies with with digital. So I wanted to get ahead of this because my biggest fear is having not just up opposing candidates run digital ads of their of the person they're running against without their consent saying things that would they would not say or a political action committee and as you know there's all this hidden money right dark mm -hmm. money with these packs um that's something that we do not we we should not have implemented in, the, in our democracy because that is not free speech and i know that that some of the pushback on my bill was well, you're going against the First Amendment. It's like, look, I'm not restricting what you have to say. You can say whatever you want, but don't have my image, my likeness, my voice say things that I have not given consent to. Um, and I'm I'm afraid that you'll have a situation of an overseas actor, um, such as Russia or China or some terrorist group, who slips in an ad through digital platform. And before it can be taken down, next thing you know, it has already spread this this misinformation that causes chaos in the campaign. Now, I wanted to go further with this bill. It does add disclosure. So you have to disclose that it's a digital ad. But I'll tell you, I wanted to be a little more, a little more, uh, have a little more teeth in it because, quite frankly, I think the social media platforms need to be held accountable. They should know where the money is coming from. If this ad is a deep fake and if and, and if there was consent on it by the person they're portraying. Um, but they have some pretty powerful uh, lobbyists and, and influence. And so I couldn't get it pushed. But uh, I'm not going to give up on this. And I certainly hope the federal government realizes. And I think they are realizing that something needs to be done. This is something you're going to pursue next session. I don't I don't know about next session because there's a lot going on next session. But uh uh, it's certainly something that I, I'm going to pursue. 
Well, you know, I want to share some cool news uh, with folks. So as Secretary of State, you are a member of the National Association of Secretaries of State, and you were just elected Western Regional Vice President. So congratulations on that. I I wonder if you could just tell us how Secretaries of State work together around elections and specifically how you are going to be working together in next year's election. Yes, uh, what we do is we, we share a lot of ideas on how elections are ran. Uh, we try to support our other secretaries of state, uh, not, you know, basically policy. And and we all meet in um, uh, in Washington, D.C. We usually meet in Washington, D.C. And, and another conference afterwards. We consolidate together to advocate on behalf of the secretaries of state to our federal uh, federal partners. And so that's what we have been doing. And, you know, this this issue of Eric, which is a big issue, unfortunately, there are secretaries of state there trying to pull out of Eric. And so what we are trying to do is encourage some of those secretaries of state not to do that. That is it. I'm just going to ask you to pause for just one moment. Explain. Tell us very briefly what Eric is and why it's important. Sure. Eric is what Eric does is if you're part of an Eric state, let's say. And and once once again, this is the Electronic Registration Information Center. Yes. Yeah. So if you were to move to another state, so you left Washington State, you went to Colorado, and you registered there, and chances are you probably forgot, you're probably going to forget to unregister here in the state of Washington. We're going to know about it because we're going to see about it because there's reports. Um, Also, if you vote multiple times, not just in your own state, but in another state, we're going to know about it. If you pass away, because all these databases, they talk to each other, including federal databases. So let's say you were to pass away and you, but your ballot shows shows that you voted or we, we, we go through vote while we show that you voted and the dates don't quite line up, right? Then we're going to go, wait, wait a minute. This doesn't make sense. Now we've, we've caught people uh, and caught situation where this has happened. Uh, for example, uh, dead people voting, um, very small, tiny. And usually what it is, is a spouse their loved one passed away, they knew how they were going to vote, and so they voted for them. Okay. Should they go to jail for it? Probably not. Probably not going to do it again. Um, and, and they're talking to. But we do catch them. So this this whole notion that there's just widespread fraud and nobody's accounting for it is not true. And so we have states out there who are buying into the misinformation that that Eric is tied to George Soros, it's a liberal conspiracy, is not true. And you've got you've got these secretaries of state who who ran because they want to go against fraud and the elections are stolen. And by God, I'm gonna get down to it and solve all this. And what do they do? They take their state from the from the very system that protects them from fraud. There's a lot of projection there, which I think uh, we've all sadly um, grown uh, somewhat accustomed to. I would just ask you before we go, uh, I know that you are a big tabletop game fan. So you were recently at a convention. Any cool new games that uh, that you're playing that we should know about? Well, I'm actually going to a convention this weekend. I'll be going to uh, Dragonflight Tabletop Game com- Convention. I'll probably play I'll pro- probably play some D&D um, uh, I'll probably play some game, some other games. There's one called Splendor I like playing. There's um, Cover Your Assets, which is a game created here in the state of Washington. 
I mean, there's a lot of games that I play, a lot of tabletop uh, games, both role-playing and board. And uh, it's, it's a nice time to not think about all the stressors uh, being in this office. I'm sure, I'm sure it's a great escape. Well, Secretary of State Steve Hobbs, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you very much. And that'll do it for this week. The executive producer of the show is Kat Pipkin. If you would like to see a video version of this podcast, head to facebook.com slash indivisible podcast. The email address for the show is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Lori Kowal. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. I'm Stephen Cox, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.